0: You're listening to A Conduit's Diary, a podcast featuring my diary entries as I investigate paranormal activity. This is rated explicit because I have a foul mouth and I'm kind of an asshole. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast so you can share the love. Now, let's get into episode one, the haunting of the alive ex-wife. homes never really look haunted. The colossal Scottsdale home was typical of upper-class excess. It was relatively easy to find. I just turned down one of the many side roads off the freeway into a gated community. This particular one had a security post with staff who demanded to know who I was. I rolled down the window and let the 95-degree early May air penetrate my icy layer, created by AC blowing on full blast, the 30-minute drive here, I sucked in a breath and introduced myself. Rachel Smith, here to see the Prestons. Yes, they were expecting me. No, I was not a solicitor. Can I roll up my window now? There's sweat pooling in my boobs. After what felt like too long, he waved me in and pointed to the right, down a street with some name like Sagittarius or Secretariat. I passed house after house of ego. The first home had a circular driveway, a la Downton Abbey, where a few cars with names I couldn't pronounce sat Perched. The next home borrowed Southern Charm with a wraparound porch lined with rocking chairs. Considering the heat that wouldn't let up for the next four months, I doubted the chairs got any use. Finally, I found the house. 1322. 1322 Sagittarius, or Secretariat Street, was 5,600 square feet on a quarter acre lot, according to Zillow. I never go to these places without at least some recon to decide what I'm getting myself into. It sold for a cool $1.5 million in 2010 to Richard Preston and his ex-wife, Amelia. Heather Preston was the third wife of Richard Preston, who was simply listed as an entrepreneur on his LinkedIn account. That was usually code for daddy's money, but I did find a few businesses tied to him that didn't look like absolute failures. Usually, these people were in real estate and amassed a ridiculous amount of rentals in up-and-coming areas. Read Gentrification. 1322 utilized the adobe style of housing that I always found charming, if not a bit strange. The yellow-orange wasn't an eyesore against the desert landscaping front yard and cobblestone-style driveway. I pulled into it just enough to be off the street, but not totally in the driveway, lest I need to escape quickly. You laugh, but sometimes shit gets wild. Once out of my car, I tried to straighten my shirt, then decided to tuck it into my high-waisted slacks. Over the last few years, I'd cultivated a style that wasn't quite business and not quite casual. That was the trouble with dealing with the elite. They could smell knockoffs a mile away. So I stopped at the fancy purses and designer anything. Plus, this time of year, anything more than a bathing suit felt absolutely oppressive. I didn't have the quirky style of my older sister to lean on things like high-waisted shorts or crop tops. So here I was. Awkward-fitted blouse shoved into slacks, sensible shoes, thin red hair pulled into a low ponytail, pale skin slathered with sunscreen. I checked my bearings and gave a quick knock on the door. Here we go. Heather Preston answered the door. I recognized her from magazine articles that highlighted the parties for fundraisers they attended at least twice a month. Of course, these parties were basically unheard of these days. I smiled and said, hello, you must be Heather. I'm Rachel would you like me to wear a mask? I motioned to the floppy cloth item in my hand that I stitched out of necessity in mid-March when I thought my professional life was ending. Apparently, pandemics that drive people to be in their homes all day also drive them to concoct hallucinations that their home is haunted. Business was booming. Business being my paranormal investigation business or whatever you wanted to call it. It had no formal name for tax reasons, but with word of mouth and a few crappy business cards, I didn't need much else. It was a labor of love and necessity. Owning a pet rescue and selling random shit on Etsy wasn't paying the bills. For the last five or so years, I'd toured the greater Phoenix region, debunking hauntings, or at least helping people with hauntings. Most of the time it was nothing, an errant pipe, carbon monoxide, you know. I was the first person they called after the exterminator, and usually the last person they needed to call before reaching something more sensible. Rattling pipe? I knew a guy. Carbon monoxide? I got a person. Cleansing? Boy, do I have the woman for you. Here, take some crystals and wave some smoke. Like I said, Arizona homes never look haunted. 1322, however, was haunted by awful taste. I could see over Heather Preston's shoulder that the indoor decor was farmhouse style, which clashed with the Saltillo tile in warm undertones. Heather ushered me in, and I was awarded a full view of tall ceilings painted some awful orange-beige color with equally off-toned baseboards. Oh, yes, hello, she said, with a slight drawl that surprised me. Most transplants to Arizona were from California and had an upward lilt to their voice, Southern California, or a hurried, brusque wave speaking, Northern California. Southerners were rare, but a closer look shouldn't have surprised me. Thin stature, too tall, dark hair that was bright and shining despite the fact that no salon had been open in weeks. Beauty pageant style. I liked it. She nervously wrung her hands and peered out the window. Don't worry, my car doesn't have any decals on it. Would you like me to wear a mask? I reiterated. At first the mask seemed oppressive, now I loved it for its ability to hide an errant smile or me mouthing, what the fuck, several times in some homes. It can't be helped, I had a bachelor's in psychology, they evidently taught self-control at the graduate level, which I never made it to. Are you sick? She asked, eyeing me up suspiciously. Oh no, I've been isolating pretty well, I said with another smile. She seemed calm by this, nodding her head. "'That's fine, then. You can put it away.' She wrung her hands some more and looked at me a long minute before I spoke. "'It's natural to find this strange. Why don't we sit down and you tell me what's been going on? Then I'll have a look around and make some recommendations. You're free to discard them, and if you'd like to follow through, I have some resources.' "'And this is anonymous,' she pressed. "'Anonymous? Sure. I'll spill everything about this visit to my close circle of cats and foster animals, plus Anthony.' "'But otherwise, your secret is safe with me. "'I'll try to keep it off your husband's LinkedIn profile.' "'Of course,' I said with a nod. "'I'm sure you Googled me. "'I couldn't find anything,' she said, eyebrows narrowed. "'Exactly,' I replied. "'She nodded slowly, then extended a long arm to point to the kitchen. "'This way,' she directed. "'She led us into the kitchen, "'which was equally adorned with a tacky mismatch "'of antique-looking furniture in the same farmhouse style.' We sat at a long, whitewashed plank table with tall seats so uncomfortable, I doubted anyone actually used the table. When she sat down, she steepled her hands in front of her and narrowed her eyes to study me. I don't know how to say this, she said slowly, but I think my house is haunted. I nodded, she continued. By Richard's ex-wife. This took me by surprise. Richard was married twice before, but never a widower. At least not that I could find. His first wife lived off their lack of a prenup in southern Arizona. His last wife was still embroiled in court battles to try and get her share of the pie, but neither were dead. I raised my eyebrows slightly. When did she pass? I asked, assuming I'd missed something recent. I was always so thorough with my research. How did I mess this one up? oh she's alive she said quickly waving her hands this was their home you know they lived in it for years they were married in 2017 so I've only been here a bit she's everywhere though I think she trailed off her eyes looking beyond me to the wall unfocused I resisted the urge to turn around and follow her gaze I think she left a curse behind I see I said allowing my eyebrows to come back down my face you don't believe me she said. I did my best to offer a reassuring smile. Of course I believe you. After all, what are spirits? Hauntings. People have their theories about energy and spirits and souls. Who's to say that you can't be haunted by an energy or a memory? She considered this for just long enough to confirm my suspicion that she was gullible enough to con. I assume your husband doesn't know I'm here, I pressed. She shook her head quickly, shortly. Then we'll have to be quick and discreet. Take me to the place where the haunting is the strongest. She hesitated a full 30 seconds before standing and pointing the way down the hall, making sure I walked in front of her. What, like I would steal some of this cheap-ass decor? It would clash with my poor people style. We walked down the immense hallway to the opposite side of the house, into what I assumed was the master bedroom. The style here was similar, large four-poster bed with the whitewash color that clashed with the orange tones of the tile in the walls. The furniture was the same, with two large dressers. It looked cheap, which is exactly how you know it was expensive. I caught a glimpse at his and hers closet the size of my kitchen and a spacious shower at the end of the room. Hmm, I said, looking around. I pulled an item from my purse, a recorder. Have you ever done an EVP reading before? I asked. She shook her head, then nodded, then shook it again. "I I haven't, but I know what it is. Will it work here? Potentially. I've dealt with similar spirits before, uh, emotional hauntings. Sometimes you catch echoes of their energy. What if it's not residual? What if it's intentional? She asked. Her arms were crossed over her chest and one perfectly manicured nail, how is that possible? The salon's been closed for weeks, rested between her teeth. Then we should hear the intention loud and clear, I said. I placed the recorder on the dresser closest to the center of the room and walked the edges. From my purse, I also removed a thermoscan I'd stolen from my father's shop. It was used mostly to detect heat signatures from leaking pipes or faulty wiring or whatever, but it worked well enough to determine the true origin of people's paranoia. I made a great show of inspecting the edges of the room, the outlets, the walls. A few areas let out little squeaks of temperatures rising, mostly around the windows, but nothing too exciting. She followed within steps of me, peering over my shoulder multiple times to watch. Occasionally, I let out a Hmm, and then, I see, for effect. At last, I brought my favorite device, my carbon monoxide detector. This device was rigged by a friend and looked way fancier than it really was. I waved it around, listening to it purr amicably, as it didn't pick up on any carbon monoxide levels above normal. Well, that was good, though it would make getting rid of her demon much harder. What do you want? I asked the empty space. Heather caught her breath, listening. I paused a few minutes, letting the machine graze over random item of clothing, listening. What will it take you to leave? I pressed a little louder. Nothing. The machine continued soundlessly. Satisfied, I tucked it away and brought out a single crystal pendant on a long chain. What's that? She asked. Oh, it just picks up on extra energies. It might localize where the issue is. I said. I watched her face closely, saw her eyes dart to one of the dressers. I counted to ten, then let my eyes wander to that same dresser. It was the same whitewash as the rest of the furniture, a little bit out of place, maybe just painted to fit. On it sat a few vases that matched the decorations from the other dresser. But one thing stood out, a single watch box. It had a glass top that let you look in and see the rows of expensive watches within. The box was worn, as though being handled frequently. I made my way around the room with the pendant, letting it sway with my steps as I hovered over nightstands and pillows and even ventured into the bedroom to get a better look at the monster of a shower. One day when I hit the lottery, I wanted a shower like that. I knew going into the closet to investigate her wardrobe would be pushing my limits, so I made my way to the dresser. Heather was close to me now, closer than the six-foot rule we had established as a society, practically breathing down my neck. With a simple flick of the wrist, I sent the pendant spinning as it landed on the watchbox. She gasped. I took a step back and frowned. Hmm, I said, making a show of examining the pendant until it stopped spinning. I let a full minute go by before approaching it again, repeating the flick of my wrist to get the pendant to spiral. Heather moaned this time, dropping onto the bed with her head in her hands. I knew it, she said. Knew what? I asked, putting the pendant back into my purse. That box, she cried, waving her hands towards it. The box. She gave it to him for their third anniversary. I tried to have him get rid of it for years now. He won't. He refuses. This must be the origin, I said gravely. The origin, she repeated. I nodded. Yes, this is where her energy clung to when she decided to stay here. Does she have any ill will towards your husband, I asked. She nodded sagely. She's trying to take all our money. She says it's hers. "'So she has motive,' I said, nodding. "'Motive?' she echoed. "'Honestly, I felt like I was talking to a child. "'Yes, she has motive to see you suffer. "'The more you suffer, the stronger the energy grows.' "'It's getting worse,' she affirmed. "'You poor thing,' I said, "'switching my purse to a different shoulder. "'The contents of it were ridiculously heavy. "'Can you fix it?' she asked. "'I pretended to consider both her and the box, "'tapping my chin.' I think I have the right thing, but I didn't bring it with me. How about we finish walking the house so I don't miss anything, and then we reconvene next time you're able? Tomorrow, she said quickly. I can't suffer through this any longer. If you don't mind me asking, what exactly are you experiencing? I asked. She led me through the rest of the house, each room just as clean and untouched as the last. I saw a room meant for a teenager, but no signs anyone had ever visited. Poor Richard. It's like she's still here. Heather told me as we moved through the rooms. I see her out of the corner of my eye. Just the edges that that damn dress she always wore. I can smell her perfume sometimes, which doesn't make any sense. I got rid of everything as soon as I could have. Anything that could have had her scent on it. New couches, new blankets, new everything. Hell, I even painted the walls and put in new tile because she was always there. She shuddered. I shuddered at her interior design skills. Lately... I can hear her talking at night when I'm almost asleep. It's relentless. It's like she's talking to him, having a whole conversation that only I can hear her side of. of. I nodded sympathetically, finishing my sweep of the home. Let me listen to the EVP tape. I told her, retrieving it from the bedroom as we made our way back around. I'll bring my findings tomorrow and we'll go over a game plan. Same time? She nodded, walking me to the front door. Just inside the house, to the left of the front door, sat a small room. Usually these rooms are called Arizona rooms or dens or offices. They have no doors, they're smaller than a typical living room, and they often feel like awkward space. This one had a few sofas and chairs with a coffee table. On one of the chairs sat a woman, wearing a long, flowing black skirt, a long-sleeved blouse, and a ruffled hat tied tightly to her head. I squinted at her, watching her carefully for any signs that, you know, she may be malevolent. She regarded me coolly, tilting her head, then went back to the item in her hand. It looked like stitchwork or some sort of weaving, nothing I could really see easily from here. What? Heather asked, alarmed. She grabbed my arm when she caught me staring. We both looked at her hand on my arm, laughing nervously at the gesture that was so normal just a few months before. Do you have any issues with this front room? I asked. She shook her head, her eyes wide. No, Why? Sometimes the entryway invites things, they like to settle up here, I said, nodding as though it made perfect sense. Just as I suspected, the woman was harmless, and Heather had no idea she had a true ghost in her home. The door to my small home closed behind me with a too loud bang. I was greeted with lukewarm air and the smell of foster kittens that needed a new litter pan. Honey, I'm home, I called to the kittens, who mewled sadly from their playpen in the middle of the living room. They quickly scurried to the side of the pen that let them see me, yowling for attention or food or both. Quite a change from the little feral spitfires they were just a few weeks ago. Petunia, my hound mix, unraveled herself from the couch to plod over and put a cold nose on my leg as I threw myself onto the kitchen table. "'How was it?' asked Anthony from the doorway, appearing without warning as usual. I knew better than the jump, but sometimes I still felt surprised." Oh, it's just an imprint. The ex-wife energy is still there, and the new wife is feeding it with her anxiety. I don't think she has a job or, like, does anything all day. I think she just fixates. Yikes, he said, eyeing up the recorder as I pulled it from my bag. Yeah, I figure I can edit some EVP readings to really scare her. I think Emma may have some cleansing shit I can sell this lady. Stuff to get rid of the energy. At three times cost, Anthony asked, smiling knowingly. Hey, if I had a roommate that helped with the bills, this would be a different story. I said oh that I could work he responded dramatically disappearing once more it wasn't hard probably two hours of work to make a convincing EVP of a woman demanding she leave the home Hema had exactly what I needed some cleansing ritual with smoke and crystals a spray to spray over the box every day for one month a crystal to carry around to deflect her energy another to harvest it Heather Preston seemed glad to be gone of that spirit She clutched the items close to her chest and smiled once the smoke cleared from the air. It feels louder already, she said, as she rifled through her purse for the money. Cash only. She knew the deal. Everyone knew the deal. Word of mouth. Cash only. Discreet. She handed me the envelope with a wad of cash that I placed in my purse without looking. I dealt in this business long enough to know when an envelope felt too light or too heavy. This one was just right. Take care, Miss Preston, I told her. The old spirit was still in the front room, knitting away. She raised an eyebrow at me as I left, and I winked back at her. The dead don't tend to tell on you. A Conduit's Diary is created by me, written and produced by me, mixed horribly and edited by me. Cover art created by BMC Design on Fiverr. Music, intro and outro, created by Chris Hornberger.